Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. All right, good morning, guys. All right, how's everyone doing? Doing all right? You're here? So glad that you're here this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Keith. It's a privilege to serve here on the Dream Team. If you're new to our space, there's a little QR code in one of the chairs in front of you. Uh, would love it if you take a moment now to scan that QR code, get a little information from you so we can stay connected. And we also have a gift for you in the back of the room. Our Next Step host will uh, let you know all the details about that before you head out today. Uh, today's a great Sunday. It's a good time to be together in this space. We're continuing a series we started a few weeks ago called The Big Ten. I see some Big Ten shirts out there. Awesome job rocking your Big Ten shirts. If you didn't get one of these, we have just a few left in the back of the room. Uh, sizes are limited. We have smalls and extra larges, people. That's, that's all we got. Uh, so you pick if that helps you in any way. But if you didn't get one of these, they are available in the back. And what we're doing over these 10 weeks is we are exploring the Ten Commandments together, finding how they apply to our lives today uh, as they were written thousands of years ago, given to the Jewish people, the Israelites, by God. What application is there for us today? So I'll catch you up in a few minutes, but before I do, I want to show you a phrase that I believe we've all said before. Uh, if you've never said this, welcome to humanity, but I'm pretty sure we've all, all said this. Here it is. I don't have enough time. Come on, who here has ever said that before by a show of hands? Yeah, everyone in the room, if you didn't raise your hand, you're either a lazy or a liar. Um, and Proverbs says both of those things are not God's best. So I was going to say all of us, well, we've all said this before. We've all said, I don't have enough time. Or we've used some version of that phrase. You know, I'm so busy. Uh, there's, there's too much to do and I don't have enough hours. How many, be honest, you've ever wished the weekend was three days? One more day. If I just had one more day, man, I'd be, I'd be great. I'd be rested. I'd get everything done. See, we, we, all understand the pressure of this feeling. I don't have enough time. And it doesn't matter the age of stage you're in, whether you're married or single, kids, grandkids, no kids. Uh, we all understand what it's like to have a lot to do, and it feels like just not enough time. So if you resonate with this, which I think we all do, you are here on a great Sunday, because by the end of our time together— I am going to show you how to make more time. Oh, you didn't think that was possible. You're like, wait a second, there's seven days in a week. What did I sign up for? No, there, there is a way, and it's in Scripture. We're going to read it. There's actually a way for you and I to get more time into our lives, and it's found in the Ten Commandments. So what are the Ten Commandments? Maybe you've heard of them before. Even if you're not a Christian today, you've maybe thought they're just a list of rules. They're in the Old Testament. They're not for us. Well, our brief single statement regarding the Ten Commandments is we believe the Ten Commandments reveal the heart of God and reflect the Christian life. Very briefly, the reason why we're spending all this time in these commands is because we believe, first, every single person was created to know God. You just saw that on the screen. It's in the wall in the back. We believe that is the first step on our spiritual journey. Know who God is. And by looking at the Ten Commandments, we actually get to know God a little more. Because he reveals himself through these commands. And the second thing that we discover is not just who God is, but 
who you and I are now that we're in Christ. So if you are forming your identity and your life around Jesus, he's Lord and Savior, well, there, there's a best way for you to live your life. And if that's not where you're living today, then you're, you're really listening on what could be for your life. Like, this is what God has planned for you. You don't have to live the way you are right now or the way everyone seems to be living. God has a better way. Who's thankful that he's got a better way? He's got a best plan for our lives. So by looking at the Ten Commandments, we actually discover who God is and who we're called to be. So real brief, the first commandment we learn, there's no other gods, right? Just, just him. So God wants our devotion. Uh, second commandment, don't make an image. We talked about how God wants us to worship him. Last week, we learned about the name of God, how great his name is, and how keeping the Lord's name holy is, is way more than just a filter on our lips. It's not less than that. God cares about our speech, but it's an attitude of the heart, how we treat his name. So today, we're going to discover what God has to say about time. Everyone say time. Time. What does God, does God care about our schedules, our clocks, our calendars, our weeks? He does. And he's got a best way for us to live out our lives. So we're going to read the commandment together. This is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. And here it is. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Why don't we say that together? Here's commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, this is not where the commandment ends. In fact, fun fact, something my son likes to say a lot. If you've been around him, he'll just, he'll watch some wild crats. It's like a show on PBS about animals. And he'll be like, dad, fun fact, the hippopotamus, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that, that is a fun fact. Thank you. So here I am, fun fact about the fourth commandment. This is not where it ends. Actually, out of all the commands, this is the most detailed command out of all 10. This is where God actually spends the most time explaining the command to the people. So here he goes on to say this. Six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, all that is in them. But he, could you say this word with me? He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord, say this word, he blessed, he blessed it. He blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So out of all the commandments, this one gets the most detail. We're going to read in a few weeks. The commands are short. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie. But this one, it says, keep the Sabbath day holy. And then God spends all this time explaining what it actually means. Now, this command in my study, scholars tend to agree that this command out of all 10 is what they would say is the most confusing of all the commands when it comes to application today. So I just want to give a shout out to our preaching team here at Blaze Church because they said, Pastor, you're going to take this one. It's the most confusing one. We're not touching it. We'll take murder. We'll take name. We'll take, like, we can do it. You take, it's confusing. Think about it. I mean, what is God saying here? On the surface, it seems like he's actually telling us, stop for a day? And what do we do in our stopping? How do we live this out? How do we keep the command? How do we keep it holy? Is it still for us? There's so much debate and confusion that can come up in this command. 
So in our limited time together, I'm going to acknowledge a couple things. One, I am not going to give every detail and every defense for this command today. It's impossible. Nor is it the reason why God has me speaking today. Have you heard this phrase, don't miss the forest for the trees before? What that means is too often we can get so into the details of something that we actually miss the big picture. And this morning, I'm, I'm not going to give you fine details of how to keep this command in your life. I'm going to invite you this week to speak to the Holy Spirit, because you're able to. If you're in Christ, Scripture says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in us. So I'm going to invite you this week to actually sit down and honestly and with a soft heart say, Holy Spirit, help me understand how to live this out in detail. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a forest, the Sabbath forest. I'm going to show you three ways the Sabbath is a blessing and two principles that have to be a part of your Sabbath if you choose to keep this command. But some more fun facts about the Sabbath. Not only is it the most detailed, it's also the most repeated. The Sabbath command is repeated 11 times in the first five books of the Bible, the Jewish Pentateuch, the Torah. And it's repeated over 100 times in the entire Old Testament. That is a lot of attention that God gives to this command, keep the Sabbath. Not only that, it's the only command that is actually given before the Ten Commandments. We're reading the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 16, there's a moment where God provides for the people of Israel when they're in the wilderness. He gives them food. Now, this, this is super creative. He gives them food, and they don't know what it's called, and they're saying, what is it? And you know what they call it? What is it? Isn't that brilliant? Like, they, they call it manna, which is the Hebrew word for what is it. So I just think sometimes we're too creative for our own good. <laughs> we're going to call it what is it. And when God is providing this daily bread, this manna for his people, he gives them the command of Sabbath before the Ten Commandments. He says this in Exodus chapter 16. Six days you are to gather it, the it, the it being manna, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. He's giving them a principle and a command of Sabbath because he's provider, because he can be trusted to give them all they need in six days and tells them on the seventh day, there's not going to be any. And we're actually going to come back to this moment at the end of our message together. But not only that, last fun fact about the Sabbath, God actually created and honored the Sabbath day when he created all things. We read that in Exodus. He said, on the seventh day, God rested. Well, here's where it took place in Genesis chapter 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating all that he had done. There's a lot here in the Sabbath. It's detailed. It's repeated. God himself kept it. So first, let's just kind of get this out of the way because I'm using a word you may not be familiar with its de de definition. Sabbath is a Hebrew word that simply means ceasing. That's, that's it. Like, it just means to cease. But think, in this culture, at a time where agriculture and farming was the way of income, God says, cease. For one day, or very practically to those people, one day you don't go to the fields. Now think about that. If you've ever farmed before or know someone who has, or even, if, come on, it's Long Island, apple picking, strawberry picking, all of that. If you take a whole day not to collect the produce that's there, the birds are going to eat it. God, I'm going to lose some of my income. I, 
I can't, I can't stop. And God's telling this culture, cease. Why would he say that? And if we're not careful, what we will do today is what we're going to see the people of Israel did thousands of years ago. We will debate God on this command and say things like, oh, it can't mean what it actually means. There's got to be something else. They can't, you can't actually want me to stop because we're a producing people. Have you noticed that we are way better at being human doings than we are at being human beings? That we tend to do and do and fill up every point of our day with another doing and just being still and resting is so hard for us. We're not the first people to struggle with that. And struggling since people were people. So God says, here's a command. Keep the Sabbath holy. So how do we do that? Well, three, three ways the Sabbath is a blessing and two principles if at the end of the blessing you say, okay, let me, let me try this. So first, we'll read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. God says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Say that first word with me. Remember. Remember. Remember that you were slaves. Now he's speaking to specifically to the Israelite people. But he's saying, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to, look what he links it to, observe the Sabbath day. Now, a little bit of Jewish history, if you're not familiar with it, the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They were told, your identity is slave. This is who you are. And it impacts what you do because you do exactly what we say to do every day, day in and day out. Oh, think about it. Identity slave. Do you get a day off if that's your identity? Do you get rest if that's your identity? No. So what is God saying here? Remember who you were. Remember how you used to live. But also remember, I brought you out of that. I made you new. You are mine now. And the way you'll remember is through the Sabbath. So the first way the Sabbath is a blessing is it is a reminder. It's a reminder of a former identity. Now, I'll, I'll connect the dots in just a minute, but could you imagine how elated and excited the people of Israel were when they heard this? Like, we're sitting here pushing against it. Maybe already your thoughts are going. You're saying, I don't know who this pastor guy is, but he doesn't know my job and my business, and there's no way I could take a day off right now. And I got laundry waiting for me, and I got all this stuff. Okay, the Israelites heard you get a day off, and they probably threw a party. They hadn't had a day off in 400 years. And God says, I have a gift for you. It's called Sabbath. And every time you choose to open that gift, every time you Sabbath, it's going to remind you your identity is new now. You don't live like a slave any longer. We just sang a song about freedom. I've got freedom. Now, here's, here's the scary part for us today. Some of us are choosing to live like slaves working 24-7, going, 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 and God is saying, I've given you a way to remember that's not who you are. You, you do not follow culture's pattern. You do not just go, go, go. I'm giving you a different way to live. What do the commands do? They reflect the Christian life. Is it countercultural? Absolutely. If, if, if someone asks you how you are and you don't respond with busy or tired, they're going to think you're crazy. What's wrong with you? You're not busy or tired. 
Like, like most of us, instead of being highly blessed and, and favored, we're highly stressed and caffeinated. I mean, we're just, just trying to make it through. I'm just trying to get, I have so much to do. What do we say at the beginning of the message? There's just not enough time. That's not who you are. It's not who you are. You are an adopted child of God. Your identity is formed by the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you and I live differently. And it may not make sense to the culture around us, but hey, I'm, no, I'm not a slave. My God has given me a way to remind myself that I am different. I am marked. So the, the Sabbath is a reminder. I'm, I'm just sharing with you what the Sabbath could be. But what about, what did Jesus have to say? You know, Jesus was challenged a whole lot by the religious leaders of his day about the Sabbath, because they were trying to keep this Sabbath thing. And here's something that Jesus said when he was challenged. This is great. Jesus said to them in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. That's Jesus. He's looking at a group of religious people that are saying, how come your disciples don't keep the Sabbath? How come you're over here healing on the Sabbath? How come you're doing work? How come you're breaking bread? How come you're doing... And he goes, hold up, hold up, hold up. It wasn't God made the Sabbath and then he filled the earth with people to keep the Sabbath. God made people realize that we are going to go, 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 try to form our own identity outside of him. And so he gives us the Sabbath. Here, here's the second blessing of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a reminder. The Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift. And... And I, I found myself here, so I'm just talking about me for a second. I'm going to talk about me. This isn't about you. I have found myself debating God on the Sabbath. God, I can't stop. I, I got too much to do. I don't know how to live this out. This is too hard. A day of rest. And I'll debate God instead of opening my hands and receiving the gift that he has. And I'll fight him on all the details. And yeah, but what about, what about? And God's saying, would you just accept the gift? Would you just receive the gift? But some gifts challenge us. To receive this gift challenges our pride. It challenges our human doingness. It challenges the identity that maybe you're trying to build. Maybe the thought of stopping when you're working on a business, you're working on a career, you're working on something. It, it challenges the identity. So to receive the gift of Sabbath, would cause you to say, maybe I don't have this all figured out. Maybe I have to trust the Lord. The Sabbath is an act of trust. It's an act of saying, okay, God, I'm going to take this gift because you're in control, not me. So the Sabbath acts as a reminder of our past, who we were. It acts in the present where we are as a present itself, as a gift that we say, okay, now I live different. Now I don't just, every day doesn't look the same. There's one that looks a little different. It's how I make more time. So it's past, present, and the Sabbath, this is great. It's about the future. It's not just about here and now or what's already been done in our lives. It is actually about where we're going as believers. Here's what the author of Hebrews writes about the Sabbath. He says, there remains, which means it's not yet, it's, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. What is the author saying here? He's saying that the same way that God himself rested from his work, we read it in Genesis, so there is a Sabbath rest waiting for the people of God. A, a rest 
that he has prepared for us. Well, how did he do that? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus' last words on the cross. It is what? Finished. His work was done. He accomplished what the Father sent him to do. Jesus declared, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, to give his life as a ransom for many. And on the cross, he pays the price for your sin and for my sin. He pays it. Why? Because our sin leads to death. And Jesus dies in our place and declares, it is finished. And then he ascends to the Father. He resurrects. He doesn't stay dead. He overcomes sin, death, and the grave and resurrects and says, now I'm preparing a place for you. We will one day enter a Sabbath rest because Jesus, our Savior, finished his work. He saved us. Guys, it's the gospel. So think, every time we choose to honor the Sabbath, look at what it's doing. It's reminding us I'm not a slave. It's giving us a gift in the moment, and it is a sign. The Sabbath is a sign, our third blessing, that points us ahead that, wow, one day there's an eternal rest because Jesus finished his work. And it's, it's just so, it's so interesting, this command. Because we look at this and we say, this should be easy. I think about it. My son this week, we, we're, we're challenged with, with him trying to take a nap. Right? He's seven years old. And I'm constantly like, Nate, you got to take a nap. And he fights me on it. And I'm like, bro, if someone was telling me it's time to take your nap, I would not fight. I would cuddle all up in my bed it would be, like, you don't get, like, he fights on it because he wants to keep going, because he wants to keep doing it. I'm looking at him like, dude, why don't you take a nap? Like, go take a nap. And as I'm having this conversation with him, I feel the Holy Spirit tap me on my shoulder saying, hey, hey, bro, um, take a nap. <laughs> take a Sabbath. Rest. Trust me. And I'm like, no, no, I, I can't. Got to keep going. Got to keep up with society. Got to keep putting up on Facebook and posting and building a platform and, inf and all that stuff. And we justify our work and our Heavenly Father is saying, would you trust me enough to, to just rest? W would you trust me? And, and isn't it interesting that this command makes it into the commandments? I mean, look at what it's stacked up against. Don't murder. Don't lie. Sleep. <laughs> like it feels like, did, did you run out of material or something? Like how did this one get in there? And yet it's got the most detail. It's repeated the most. And let's be honest, it is the easiest one for us to violate every single week. Every single week, we can justify why I can't trust God with a Sabbath. So, in light of all that, if you are moved right now and stirred in your heart to say, okay then, how do I actually keep the Sabbath? What would it look like for me? Again, I'm going to give you the forest. I'm not going to give you the trees. And please, this is not a guilt-ridden Sunday. This isn't me saying you need to somehow quit your job or change it. I want the Holy Spirit to do that with you. He's way better at his job than I am at his job, Okay. Give me an amen there. I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit to you this morning. I just want to paint a picture of what the forest would look like, and then you need to get into the trees with the Holy Spirit this week. But if you would like to think about the Sabbath, it's not just a day off. There's something that separates that day off from a Sabbath, a biblical Sabbath. There's two important principles. And the first is this word, rest. Rest. And really, this word is rooted in another word I'll show you in a minute. But in order to Sabbath, you got to rest. Meaning you, you really, you really got to rest from your work. Let's go back to the people of Israel when they are told that God's going to provide, what is it, manna for them in six days. But he says, there's none on the seventh. Look at what the people do. You're going to find yourself in this story. I know I find myself here. Look, look at what happens right after that verse. 
Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. How dumb are we as people? Not much has changed in thousands of years. God literally just said to them, I'm going to provide for you. You got to trust me. I'm going to give you so much on the sixth day, you don't even have to work for it on the seventh. And like disobedient children just go out on the seventh day looking and they can't find any. And then I feel like God turns into a preschool teacher in the next verse. I think you just got to gather the class up. Class huddle, we need to talk about this. We just went over this. Everybody crisscross applesauce. I need you to sit down and listen up. And God says, the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? And again, what's the command? Stop. Rest. But what's the real command? Trust me. Live different. I know everybody works seven days a week in your industry and you think that's the only way to get ahead. Live different. Trust me. I know it's normal to just keep going and keep pushing and burning the candle at both ends, but trust me. He said, how long are you going to refuse to keep my commands? And then he, he goes on, he says, bear in mind, the Lord has, look at this, he's given you the Sabbath. Too often we think that the Sabbath, a day of rest, is a burden from the Lord and yet is a gift from him. He's given it to us. He said, I've given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. If you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, notice Jesus tells us not to pray, give us this day our weekly bread, our monthly bread. No, give us this day our daily bread. Can you trust God to provide enough for you daily so that you don't have to work every single day? Do we just say that prayer, but then we act as if he's not going to provide daily? I, I believe you could provide daily, but just to be sure, I'm going to keep working. He says, I'll give you enough bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. Class dismissed. Next verse. So the people rested on the seventh day. As if it was a burden. Fine. We'll stop. We won't work. You twisted our arm. We'll take a nap. Like, just think about this. It sounds a lot like us, doesn't it, though? Come on, we could be honest. If it sounds like me. God's saying, rest and trust me, and I'm saying, I don't know if I can. And you know what? Christians, we're funny people sometimes because we have our own language. So what we can do to justify it is we can say, yeah, but God— I'm in a season right now. And God's like, really? I made the seasons. <laughs> so you're in a season right now that requires you to work seven days a week, but I made the whole universe and it took me six. But you're in a season, bro. I, I got you. Let's just think about that. That's what we tell the Lord. It's just a season. And God's like, well, you're going to burn out in this season. I'm trying to help you have rest in this season. And, and I read this quote read a lot of quotes in prep for this and it convicted me so I want all of you to be as convicted as I've been this week maybe God understands we won't stop and rest unless he commands us to maybe that's why it's in the Ten Commandments because we'll just chalk it up to that just doesn't work for today no I just can't do that and God's saying I'm commanding you to through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your own, because that's religion. We don't form an identity around moralism and doing. But now that you are saved through the power of God, you're going to live different. You're going to keep the commands of God. 
And if you're struggling this morning, please, this is not about us feeling beat up and guilty. I, I would give you the words of Jesus. If you're really thinking right now, I don't know how in the world to even start doing this. I have built my whole rhythm on not having a day off. Then, then listen to the words of Jesus and may they speak life to your soul. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Your starting point from this message might be that you go home and you just cry out to Jesus and say, I'm repenting of this forming an identity around constant going and work. Jesus, I need rest. I need rest. So if you're going to Sabbath, it requires rest, which really means it requires trust in the Lord. And here's the second thing your Sabbath biblically includes. It's worship. It's not just a day off. It's worship of the Lord. It's intentional lifting up his name. Let me show you what the first church did in the first century. They, they really, they separated a day, and actually today is that day, the first day of the week. We do this, the early church did it. Look what we read in Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. I think I could learn a thing or two from Paul right there. Who wants to go till midnight, somebody? Right, come on, we... That was, a, that was like a scared chuckle. You're like, oh man, like I have lunch plans. We're not going to midnight, okay? Here, here it is, like, what does the early church do? They came together on the first day of the week. Like, isn't that cool? What we're doing today, believers have done for 2,000 years. I, I just think there's something special about that. There's something beautiful about that. You know, I, I look at other faiths around the world, and I'm always amazed that despite their belief in a system that doesn't have credence, they are still devout in their practices. Won't miss morning prayer. Can't stop me during Ramadan. Can't stop me during this time. Can't stop me on a holy day. And then, as Christians who know the gospel and believe that Jesus himself actually rose from the dead, we would let something get in the way on the first day of the week. It's just something to think about. 1 Corinthians says this, On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will need to be made. Just another example, and they're all over the New Testament, where the church, they, they valued a day that they started to call the Lord's Day or the first day of the week. I, I read this quote that Jesus went to the grave and it was Sabbath, and when he resurrected, it was the Lord's Day. Like there was just, you could see it. First century church, they wrestled through this. How do we keep now the Sabbath? But it's starting to morph into this Lord's day because it was on that day that Christ himself rose. And you'll see all throughout the New Testament, the church did it. They kept it. They worshiped, they gathered, they gave, they served. So a little bit about my story, if you don't know it. I grew up in a home where Sunday was the Lord's day. Like that was it. Like if I was sick, it was like, well, you're going to go to church. You're going to catch a healing. That's what's going to happen. Like, we're going we're gonna to pray over you. You're going to get better in Jesus' name. We're going to church. And I, and, and I look at now being a parent, like, and, and listen, guys, we went to church. Like, Sunday school and then Sunday morning service. And you didn't know how long it was going to go, but at some point it would end. And then you might have a little fellowship. And then people from the church would come back to your house, so it still felt like church. And then you went back to the building for Sunday evening service and finished it up with some more fellowship. Like, that was the Lord's. I tell people I went to church eight days a week. Like it was just, we went to church. And, and being a parent now, I look at the ingrained habit that my parents instilled in me to say this, this, is, this is the priority of this day. And I'm grateful for it. 
And I'm not sharing this to create guilt about your story. I, I don't know your story. I'd love to hear your story. Spend some time with me next week at New Here. We, we'll talk about our stories. But I'm just sharing my story. I'm looking on this side of it now saying, I'm grateful that there's something about day a week, a Sabbath, that involves worship. I say, that's set aside. I read this quote, and, and if you don't like it, I didn't write it. So get mad at Kevin DeYoung. He wrote it. You can find him online. He said this, Are we teaching our children that Sunday is the day we go to church or the day we try to squeeze in church? And you don't have to have children to feel the weight of that statement. And, and I'm not advocating that it has to be Sunday, so hear me. I understand schedules change, and there's different work requirements and all of that. And that's why I say you've got to be with the Holy Spirit about the trees of this thing. But when it comes to Sabbath, if you are to honor the Sabbath, there should be a day a week where there is rest and there is worship. In our context, it just works on Sunday where we are at this part of the world and at this time period in history. And for 2,000 years, it seems like it's worked on the first day of the week. But some of us are really saying to God, give me a break. I feel like I don't have enough time. And I think God is saying, I've already given you a break. It's the Sabbath. It's very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. One translation says, redeem the time. Purchase it back. Use it differently. So is this easy to keep? Absolutely not. Not when we have been really just raised up and, and taught and the narrative of culture is, if you're not going hard, Hashtag no days off. If you're not pushing the limits, you're somehow going to fall behind. You're never going to achieve your dream. You're never going to get success. You're never going to live comfortably. You're never going to have enough. If you you got to keep going. When we're told that all day long, God says, trust me. Watch me do more in six than you can do in seven. Come find rest for your soul. It's interesting because I'm sure if you went to the doctor and the doctor said, no more monkeys jumping on the bed. I just can't not say that next line. I'm, I got an eight-year-old and a five. You went to the doctor and the doctor told you, you know what? You're running yourself too wild. You're doing too much. The doc, a physical doctor told you, you need to slow down and rest or there's going to be a serious problem. I'll make up a statistic because most statistics are made up. In fact, that statement was made up about statistics. So there you go. I think 99.99% of people would look at that doctor and say, okay, yeah, you're right. I better slow down or I'm going to be in trouble. And yet, hear me, the great physician is saying, if you don't slow down, and I've given you a day to tend to your soul, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And for some of you, you're here this morning, and you're hearing this message, and you're one more seven-day work week away from burnout. Maybe losing a marriage, losing children, because you're building everything on doing. And that's why it's his kindness that leads to repentance. God this morning is saying, come, find rest in me. Here, here's a summary quote. I didn't want to take parts of it, so it is long, but if you, if you like, you can take a picture of it. I didn't write it. The purpose of Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production. <laughs> Just get that out of your head. Don't, if you're already thinking, oh man, if I take a day off, I could do so much more on Monday. That's not the point of this. Nor is it the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy your God, life in general, what you have accomplished in the world through his help, and don't miss this, and the freedom you have in the gospel. 
the freedom from slavery to any material object or human expectation. The Sabbath is a sign of the hope that we have in the world to come. It's beautiful. So this morning, we're all of us going to leave here wrestling with the tension of how do I now live out this fourth commandment? Because it's a reminder that I'm not a slave. It's a gift for me to live differently now. It's a sign of the eternal rest that God has given me. And so I'm going to principle rest, which means trust. And principle two, I'm going to worship. And for some, it's going to require you pulling out your calendar and saying, okay, I've done seven days a week for long enough. I'm giving God one. I'm bringing it back. For some, it's going to require saying no to some things that you've already said yes to. But will you trust God to be the provider? He's the one who cares about you. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me because this one's hard. And then we're going to respond in a song that reminds us of what we have in heaven, the hymn of heaven. So would you bow your heads right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is life to us. We thank you that you love us enough to not leave us living the way we once did, the way that may even seem normal. But rather, God, we want to live differently. We want to reflect the Christian life. And we thank you for this Sabbath that you've given us. It, it truly is a gift, one that is often hard to receive and use. But may that not stop us, God. May we be people who are finding our rest in you because we can trust you to provide. Father, I, I pray for maybe the, the person or two that is hearing this message and today really is a wake-up call because you love them. It's you saying, stop going. Stop doing so much. Trust me. Lord, I believe the writing is on the wall just as it was for Nebuchadnezzar when you said, your days are numbered. May we remember that our days are numbered. And when we feel that pressure of we don't have enough time, may we remember you've given us a way to separate one day out of the week. We love you so much, God. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.